All right, everybody. Good afternoon and welcome into the Pro Football Chase podcast. I'm starting about 10 minutes earlier uh, than slated. Um, you know, got my conference period uh, educator. So I uh, had to make some things work considering my afternoon schedule, you know, drastically changing with some meetings. And so I find out that the best possible time to record this podcast was right now. And so Basically, what I wanted this podcast episode to be about, really just previewing a little bit of Super Bowl. Obviously, we know next week's going to be heavy Super Bowl coverage. You know, there's going to be all kinds of, you know, water wall coverage, especially on NFL Network and on ESPN, right? And so next week, I do plan to get uh, my buddy Drill Worthy on, former NFL defensive tackle, to give an in-depth preview of uh, the Super Bowl between the Bengals and the Rams. But I wanted to use this episode primarily to just recap those sensational, entertaining conference championship games. And as a football fan, without a, a horse in the race, so to say, so to speak, you know, with the Cowboys being knocked out, it certainly has been a, a pleasure watching these playoffs, you know, considering how tightly anticipated they've been and then of course ending with game-winning field goals and overtime and tying games you know starting overtime the, the the flip of a coin helped decide the Chiefs and the Bills game last week and so there's been an incredible brand of football all the way around and I just have to say it's been a pleasure you know trying to sit back enjoy these games and so that's exactly what we did. Championship Sunday did not disappoint. There's a lot of talk about the divisional round being this and whether the AFC and NFC championship games were going to come close. Well, we got our answer. And anyone at that game, the AFC title between the Bengals, Joe Burrow, and Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, the Chiefs got off to a fast start. I mean, they were humming, firing all cylinders. They led 7-3 to three at the end of the first quarter, and then they put up 14 in the second alone, leading 14 to 10, no, 21 to 10 at halftime. And I know that you look back at that play right before halftime when – Instead of taking that field goal, I think they had five seconds left. Mahomes wanted to take one more shot to score a touchdown. And I believe Andy Reid expressed that the plan was for him to make a throw in the end zone quickly. So that way, obviously, if it's incomplete or if it's caught, it's a touchdown. If not, maybe they have enough time to run the field goal unit out there a second left. But Mahomes clearly got greedy in that situation, and he wanted to go with, uh, you know, one of the most polarized corners in the NFL, especially after he went in on his former team and has really developed some enemies with the New Orleans Saints fans. He makes a, a game, a touchdown-saving tackle on Tyreek Hill right before halftime. That kept the deficit at 11, which was the same exact deficit that the Bengals had 
when they played the Kansas City Chiefs in Cincinnati in Week 16. And I I truly believe that did wonders for the Kansas City Chiefs because I, I mean, for the Bengals, because it clearly it did something mentally. You know, the Bengals are, have always been a second-half team. And so there must have been just a positive energy for the Bengals heading into the locker room. They've been there before, same team, obviously on the road at Arrowhead. And I believe that, game, that play changed the complexion of the game. You know, second half comes out. The Chiefs get the ball to start the second half. And you have to give a lot of credit to Lou Anarumo, the defensive coordinator for the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, talk about defensive game plans and finding a way to completely shut down one of the most high-powered offensive attacks in the game after they had already poured on 21 in the first half. And one thing that, that I think Lou Anarumo really touched on and told his defense to be aware of in the second half was, hey, we're going to start pressuring three or four and dropping back seven or eight in coverage. We're going to show a little bit of different zone coverages, counters, blitzes, stunts. I know that he did send some safeties at some times as well. Really, it was just getting after Mahomes, flustering him outside of the pocket, because, you know, in the first half, Mahomes just about had all day to throw. I mean, and the stats proved it. I mean, he went off in the in the first half. I mean, he was limited to 55 pass yards in the second half alone. So immense credit to Lou Anarumo, the defensive adjustments, and then the, the players executed, right? Because what good is the plan if you don't have player execution? Well, that certainly was not an issue for the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, you had players like Von Bell, Jesse Bates, you know, one of the best safety tandems in the NFL show up big. Trey Hendrickson, uh, Sam Hubbard, the two ends that they paid over the offseason came in getting after Mahomes, shutting down that run game. Because, you know, Kansas City pretty much had their way on the ground in the first half until Cincinnati, you know, found that blueprint, slowed down Mahomes and the Chiefs offense. And surprisingly enough, I think I was sitting there waiting, as were Chiefs fans and many other NFL fans, just waiting to see when the Kansas City Chief offense was going to break through you know, and, and, and snap out of the funk because, in a sense, he realized that Kansas City has so much talent that, that you know, they're bound. They're bound to figure it out, right? But that was something that was never uh, feasible for the Kansas City Chiefs. The Bengals were really able to capitalize and... I think that that's exactly what ended up being the case. Um, And so looking at the numbers here, you see that Cincinnati was trailing. They scored 18 unanswered at some point. And next thing you know, you know, it's incredible. 
how Cincinnati turned the tides and, you know, it, it really just watching that Bengals offense power through and, you know, give credit to Kansas City's defense. They held in tight, right? But they eventually established the run game and Joe Mixon was able to start get going. He ends the game with 88 yards, 21 carries. You have uh, T. Higgins, six receptions, 103 yards. So the Bengals just started picking apart that Chiefs defense in the secondary again. Once again, not having many uh, solutions in that secondary for the high-powered Bengals trio. And so 11 points put up by the Bengals in the third quarter. Three in the fourth, and then, of course, the game-winning field goal in overtime to win 27-24. So they outscored the Kansas City Chiefs 14-3 to in the second half and 18 unanswered. Took them to overtime. Mind you, the Chiefs won the coin toss, right, which is what they did against the Bills, and we all know how that ended up. Josh Allen not having a shot to take the field. And so when Kansas City won that toss, many people in the building or in the stadium were like, well, this game's done with. You know, Chiefs fans were confident. They knew that even though the Bengals had shut them down, they knew that with the firepower Mahomes had, they are confident that they were going to go through and win the game on the opening series. Well, that didn't turn out well as it was an intercepted pass. Bengals pretty much got the ball at midfield, moved the ball a couple of uh, plays. Burrow set up a fierce rookie kicker that went in there. Ice in his veins time and time again. Bengals win 27-24, an incredible comeback capped off by a young Bengals team that not too long ago, you know, they were they were a 2-3-4 win team. Zach Taylor, of course, the job he's done. You cannot mention that Bengals turnaround without discussing Zach Taylor's presence and how key of a figure he's been and innovating that new winning culture that they have going in Cincinnati. And so looking at the stats, Joe Burrow, 23 of 38, 250 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. He was sacked one time for a loss of seven yards, 54-9 quarterback rating, 86-5 passer rating. Then Joe Mixon, I talked about his ability to get in the game, to impact it. 21 carries, 88 yards, along of 23 yards. We know he broke that long run, nearly punched it in for the Bengals from long distance. And then Joe Burrow, you know, on that drive at the at the end of the game to get the Bengals in the lead over Kansas City with a, cute, a couple minutes left in the game. Oh, had about three scrambles where he evaded pressure, which I have no idea getting out of some of those easy, you know, magic 
evading, you know, defenders and he he basically was not going to be denied and it was it was it was incredible to watch. I mean, see him be a gamer performing when the bright the the lights are the brightest AFC title game using his legs and obviously we know Burrow's not much of a running quarterback, but he does have underrated underrated athleticism and he put that on display in the most critical times of the game. And then how can we not talk about Jamar Chase? He was kind of slow going in the first half, but he opened things up, ended the game with six receptions for 54 yards, one touchdown on nine targets, along of 22. He also had one carry for three yards. And then taking a look again, T. Higgins, right, getting open. That's what happens when the Chiefs were paying a lot of attention to Tyler Boyd and to Jamar Chase. And by the way, Tyler Boyd ended with four receptions for 19 yards. And so they shadowed shadow Chase, right? Well, that's fine. You know, Joe Burrow says, pick your poison. So he went right at T. Higgins, 10 targets, you know, 100 plus words and just uh, yards. It's just incredible, you know. And how can we forget Samaje P. Ryan? Caught that touchdown reception. 41 yards, touchdown, three receptions, 43 yards. And let's not forget that C.J. Uzoma exited the game with an MCL strain, and luckily that's what it was, you know, because it did look a lot worse when he was carted off the field. And so it was good to see the good prognosis once that MRI was done. Coach Zach Taylor says, you know, Uzoma has a chance to play in the Super Bowl, which is encouraging. He is a big focal point of that offense, doesn't get enough love. But defensively, Logan Wilson has been their linchpin of that defense all season long. They go along with Jermaine Pratt. Wilson, 10 total tackles, three solo. They look at Jermaine Pratt, right? Eight total tackles, five solo. Those guys were roaming sideline to sideline. You cannot question their work ethic and you know those guys were no doubt tired you know running from one end to the other chasing down the speedsters Kansas City had and Nicole Hartman Clyde Edwards Alaire Jarek McKinnon Tyreek Hill of course but looking at sacks which is what I ultimately believed helped tilt this in the Bengals favor you had Sam Hubbard who I mentioned at the top of the podcast two sacks one tackle for loss Two quarterback hits, four solo tackles. And then you also look at Trey Hendrickson, another big signing in the in free agency. I interviewed him on the podcast last offseason. Great guy, big Christian, the, mo- the most respect for him, you know, and the way he carries himself. A sack and a half, two quarterback hits, and then B.J. Hill with half a sack getting in on the action, one quarterback hit. And so you got two, four, five quarterback hits on Joe Burrow. To go along with four sacks, you know, Mike Hilton continuing to play a pivotal role in the secondary, locking down Tyree Kill in the second half. I mean, it, you, you can just go on and on about how this Bengals team, they they pulled it off. And I don't think anybody starting the 2021 season back in September would have sat there with a straight face and said that the Bengals were going to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. And, you know, here we are, February 2nd. Reality has set in. 
The Bengals are indeed going to be playing in their first Super Bowl since 1989, which is quite the feat. You know, their fan base is going wild. The city of Cincinnati, the state of Ohio, for the most part, I can imagine, is buzzing. And the most impressive part about it all is the road that the Bengals took to get to the Super Bowl. We know that they hosted a red-hot Raiders team that came in as a 5C, got them way at home. They had that first home playoff game. Joe Burrow played well. And then they knocked off the top two seeds in the AFC in back-to-back weeks on the road in hostile environments. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that for a road team that is playing with so much edginess. And you can see in the way that Zach Taylor has inspired this team. And he talked about it in one of his press conferences. I mean, those guys, a lot of them, yes, they have had an influx of rookies headlined by Jamar Chase. But those guys, they remember the days when they were 0-7, right, preparing for teams and not sure if they were going to even get a win on the season. And Zach Taylor talked about that, you know, remembering those times. And now look what look at where they are now, about to play for a Super Bowl. And so you can't help but get excited for that organization and everything that they've overcome, the bad seasons, the fans having to just sit through two win seasons, three win seasons. And now they finish this year with a 10-7 and seven record. Everything hit in their favor. They won the AFC North crown, which is pretty intense considering the Ravens and the Steelers' dominant reigns in recent years. And the Bengals just, I have to say, you know, tip, tip my cap to them, what they've been able to accomplish. And for Kansas City, Mahomes, I mean, 275 yards, 51 or 55 pass yards in the second half alone, didn't get the job done. The Bengals came from behind, got the victory. And so that, that capped off a very, very, very interesting job. AFC championship. I apologize there for the uh, interruption. Uh, as mentioned in my conference, dealing with a, another teacher's question, but you know, talking about the NFC Championship game, which was another thriller. I didn't have as much offensive influence as say the Bengals and the Chiefs game, but I will say, you know, there was definitely some intensity uh, brought forth from both sides. 
It was ended up being the last game for Jimmy Garoppolo as a 49er, which I know some San Francisco fans are pretty um, pleased with that, right? But Matthew Stafford, I mean, I I just can't state it enough how happy I am for him, you know, being being locked up in Detroit for, for all those years, you know, and, and there's not to say, you know, he did have some years when they had, they had enough talent. Of course, you had Megatron. So I'm not saying that the Lions were the entire factor of Stafford not being able to find success in the playoffs, but being on a, on a Rams team that is loaded with superstars certainly has served him well, being in that Sean McVay system. And so the final score ended up being 20 to 17. And that's exactly what um, the Rams wanted to, to make this game. They wanted to ensure that they were going to slow down that 49ers rushing attack that has been so potent all season long. You know, Elijah Mitchell has had a, a sensational rookie rookie season. And I still can't believe to this day that he was a six-round pick. And the Niners certainly found themselves their bell cow moving forward. But here's the thing, that front from the Rams shut down and limited that San Francisco rushing attack. As a team, 20 carries, 50 yards, no touchdowns, 2.5 yards per carry average, and that tells you all you need to know about how dominant that that Rams team was. And so because of those reasons, I expect them to continue to move forward and expect And so I, I truly believe that, you know, them limiting their run game um, was the big factor in that. Cam Akers, 13 carries, 48 yards. And then you got Sonny Michelle, um, Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup ended the game with 11 receptions for 142 yards. Odell Beckham Jr., nine receptions for 113 yards. Kendall Blanton, five receptions, 57 yards. And, you know, he came up big because um, Tyler Higby ended up suffering a sprain MCL. And so I think that was pivotal in getting the Rams and the early success is really just targeting the passing game. And then you look at Matthew Stafford and what he's able to accomplish. 31 of 45, 337 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. And then you got, you got Cooper Cup, like I said, 11 receptions for 142 yards, two touchdowns. Odo Beckham Jr., nine receptions for 113 yards. And boy, has it been quite the um, 
addition for that Rams receiving unit that I had, you know, Odell Beckham really truly has been um, impressive in what they're trying to accomplish. So, I mean, I think I think it has been a, a good thing for that Rams offense and then figuring out what um, Ben Skronek and Cam Akers have been able to accomplish as well. Mm-hmm. And so the final score is 2017. Um, I think it was impressive that there was a lot of a lot of 49ers fans that were thinking that they were going to win a seventh consecutive time over the Rams. But in this case, it, it wasn't meant to be. The Rams were well prepared. San Francisco, you know, beat the Rams back in week week 18 um, at SoFi Stadium. That's a stadium where they were hoping to overtake. And you know, certainly it sounded like that they did indeed have more than 50% of the fans at SoFi, but the Rams didn't let that affect them. They continued to play with team and, you know, Aaron Donald, I think he really um, proved his work worth uh, in that NFC championship game, three tackles, two quarterback hits. So it doesn't look like there's anything major, but he certainly was impactful, of course, on that last possession for the 49ers when uh, Jimmy Garoppolo was sacked and then he threw that interception that pretty much ended the game picked off by Trevin Howard, who has been a very um, productive player. He was a seventh round pick out of TCU in 2018 and he came into the fold linebacker safety hybrid. Um, But then you also have to give credit to Debo Samuel. You know, he has also done a lot for that 49ers team, gotten them to where they were. Brandon Ayuk, four receptions, 69 yards. And then taking a look at, you know, trying to get Debo Samuel going on the ground wasn't necessarily working for the Niners. Seven carries, 26 yards. Jimmy Garoppolo, 16 of 30 for 232 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. And so you know that that Rams front was just after Garoppolo. They didn't let him get comfortable. And then, you know, George Kittle really wasn't able to develop much of a rhythm in the playoffs, which is surprising because he had such a great regular season when he played, of course. He ended up with 71 receptions for 910 yards and six touchdowns. But in the postseason, in all three games, you know, he had seven receptions on 14 targets, 108 reception yards, and one touchdown, which is he caught against the Rams. He ended that game with two receptions for 27 yards, one of them being a touchdown. His biggest game was the game up at Lambeau where he had four receptions for 63 yards. But against Dallas in the first wild card round, he only had one reception for 18 yards on three targets. And again, that's a credit to J. Ron Kirsch. And so I was a little bit surprised how the 49ers weren't able to utilize his uh, development more so and and find some matchups in the zone. But that is, once again, credit to the Rams and, and then Raheem Morris finding out ways on how to limit their attack and so for those reasons I truly believe that that has been something to do with it and so um, 
just an incredible performance all around by the Rams. And so now that sets up a Rams versus Bengals uh, Super Bowl. And I can't wait to watch. You know, you got a guy like Matthew Stafford who's going to go up against a second-year quarterback and Joe Burrow. Um, Joe Burrow has also done a lot, you know, in his second year coming back from that injury. Obviously, a comeback player of the year award. But now you're, you're going to have a good matchup, I think, on our hands. It's going to be right back at SoFi Stadium. The Bengals have a lot to play for. You know that they're going to go out there hungry. They have the utmost confidence in their ability to win it and to bring home a Lombardi to Cincinnati. And they are one of a few franchises that have actually yet to win a Super Bowl. And so when you're a team like Cincinnati, I think that they feel that energy. They know their time is now. I think that's going to make them extra juiced up and fired up for the game. And so two weeks from now, I think we're going to see ourselves another great game. Um, Of course, I'm going to get into more detailed breakdown once I have Jarrell on the show next Wednesday afternoon and hopefully we can keep that show going live in the afternoon as well so I appreciate you for sticking in with me I know there's some interruptions here with uh, you know being at school and whatnot right so you kind of got to roll with it but I didn't want to miss the show and so I went ahead and went forth with it and gave a little recap of championship Sunday and figured out what are some things that they could all do a little bit better and so that is something that we will um indeed roll through in depth big matchups what to expect it's going to be great next week and and i'm sure there's going to be plenty of more uh, media angles that are going to open up with both teams preparing to face off and so i can't wait to see what what's coming for us on super bowl week nonetheless two great championship games I appreciate you tuning in to the Pro Football Chase podcast, and I look forward to breaking things down further as we progress and move forward with the Super Bowl preparations. Well, until next week, signing off, you're listening to the Pro Football Chase podcast.